Hey everyone, this is Tetsuo the Storyteller. This is my second episode of Scary Stories. The following stories are true personal stories about ghosts. The stories themselves have been edited to remove identifying features or to fix the flow of the story. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to Tetsuo Tells a Story on YouTube and podcasts such as Anchor and Spotify. So, let's get on with the two true ghost stories to tell in the dark. Story 1, titled, Best Friends When One of Us Dies. The craziest thing happened to me. It's so crazy that I must tell the story from the beginning. After I graduated from high school, I went with Glenn, my best friend at that time, to attend classes at the university. There was no theology class, but we frequently in our walks discussed many grave subjects, such as the immortality of the soul and its future state. This question and the possibility of the dead appearing to the living were the subject of much speculation. We actually drew up a documented agreement written with our blood to the effect that whichever of us died, the first should appear to the other and thus resolve any doubts we had entertained of the life after death. After we finished our classes at the college, Glenn went to India having gotten an appointment there in the civil service. He seldom wrote to me, and after a few years, I had nearly forgotten about him. That is, until one day I had taken a warm bath, and while laying in it and enjoying the comfort of the heat, I turned my head around, looking towards the chair on which I threw my clothes on. As I was about to get out of the bath, on the chair sat Glenn, looking calmly at me, grinning ear to ear. How I got out of the bathtub, I do not know. But upon recovering my senses, I found myself sprawling on the floor. The aberration, or whatever you want to call it, that had taken the form of Glenn, had disappeared. This vision has produced such a shock that I had no inclination to talk about it, or to speak about it, even to the father of my church. But the impression it made upon me was too vivid to be easily forgotten. So strong was I affected by it that I have written down the whole history with the date, December 19th, and all its particulars, as they are now fresh to me. No doubt I had fallen asleep, and that the aberration presented so distinctive before my eyes was a dream I cannot for a moment doubt. Yet, for years... I had no connection with Glenn, nor had there been anything to recall him to my recollection. Nothing had taken place concerning our Swedish travels connected with Glenn, with India, or anything relating to him, or to any member of his family. I recollected quickly enough of our discussions and the bargain we had made. I could not discharge from my mind the impression that Glenn must have died and that his appearance to me was to be received by me as a proof of a future state. 
Story 2, titled, Dead or Alive, and That's a Promise. The following incident happened to me some years ago. It was around late August at midnight. I was then living in a city called Hilda, and I worked as a repairman as a side hustle. I would say I was born into a middle upper class, and I had been engaged to a young heiress who was inheriting the fortunes of her family. When we were to be married, I would take her last name. That's how wealthy her family was. Thus, for her sake, I had to break off a love relationship with a girl. I will call her Hanako. She was young, beautiful, and loyal to me. On the night of that late August, we took our last walk together as we parted our separate ways. And a few minutes before midnight, we paused on the wooden bridge, running across the stream. We paused in the middle of the bridge, listened to the subtle water currents brush against the wooden piles. As the moonlight elegantly beams onto us, Hanako looked so beautiful with her kimono. Though it was only a few minutes until midnight, it felt like a lifetime. In those few minutes, she was gracefully singing Suketi Dane by Riki as tears rolled down her face, gently brushing them away with the sleeves of her kimono. Midnight struck, and as I turned my back, ready to depart ways, Hanako said, Grant me one favor, the only one that I shall ever ask you. Promise to meet me here. 12 months from tonight at the same hour. I was hesitant at first, thinking it would be bad for the both of us, and it would only reopen partially healed wounds. At last, with my back still turned against her and unable to face her, I said, Well, I will come if I'm alive. But she said, Say dead or alive. I responded, very well then, we will meet, dead or alive. A year passed, I came to the very spot we promised to meet, back on that wooden bridge. I was on the spot a few minutes before the time, and exactly at midnight, Hanako arrived. This time, I had began to regret the agreement I had made, but I was too stubborn in nature to put it aside. Again. We stood in the middle of the wooden bridge, listening to the water. Hanako again sang the same song, shed a few tears. After a while of silence, as I turned my back, ready to depart, Hanako asked me, Can we meet here again, 12 months from tonight? Much against my will, I said, Well, I will come if I am alive. Hanako said, Say dead or alive. To which I responded, similar to our last meeting, Very well then, we will meet dead or alive. And just like that, we again left each other, repeating the same formula, dead or alive. The next year passed rapidly until the first week in July, when I was shot in the thigh by a hunter named Juno, 
who was more known for being a local thief, I was driven to a hospital and had to get the bullet surgically removed. During surgery, I lost a lot of blood and had to be hospitalized for some weeks. Soon after, I was able to go home. The day and the night of our late August agreement came. I was then unable to walk without crutches and I wheeled myself about in a wheelchair. The drive to the wooden bridge would be rather long and the time and the circumstances being very exact. I didn't tell anyone except an old servant of the family, which I call him Old Man Ginta. Old Man Ginta knew of Miss Hanako and he was the only person I could discuss this old relationship with. So we set forth and arrived at the bridge about a few minutes until midnight. I remember that it was a brilliant starlight night, but I did not think that there was any moon at all events at that hour. Old man Ginta wheeled me to the bridge, helped me out of the wheelchair, and gave me my crutches. I walked into the bridge and leaned my back against the white painted rail top, then lit my cigarette and had a comfortable smoke. I was very much annoyed that I had allowed myself to be persuaded to come a second time, and this time I was determined to tell Hanako that this would be our last meeting. Besides, now I did not consider it fair to the heiress I was to be wedded to. So if anything, I was in a rather irritated frame of mind as I waited for Hanako. A quarter before midnight, I distinctively heard the clinking of wooden heels, which Hanako always wore. As she got nearer, I could see her pass lamp after lamp in rapid succession. Well, the clock struck midnight and the tower bell echoed throughout the night. Finally, the patter-patter of her tiny feet sounded on the woodwork of the bridge, and I saw her distinctively pass under the lamp at the start of the bridge. When she got close to me, I saw that she didn't wear her colorful kimono. Instead, it was a rather dull color. Clink, clink, clink went her wooden heels as she ran towards me. When she got close, I reached out my arms to give her a hug, an impulse of affection, but she passed through them, and as I turned to look at her, I distinctively saw her lips move and form the words, dead or alive, and saying, Sayonara. I felt startled, surprised, but not afraid, until moments afterward, when I felt but could not see some other presence following her. I could feel, though I could also barely hear, the heavy, clumsy thump of feet following her. And that's when my blood seemed to turn ice cold. Recovering myself with an effort, I shouted to old Genta at the end of the bridge, Genta-san, who passed you just now? Old Genta said, No one passed me, sir. Nonsense, I replied. I told you I was coming to meet Miss Hanako. And she just passed me on the bridge. And it must have been you, because there's nowhere else she could have gone. 
You don't mean to tell me you didn't see her? The old man replied, Akira-sama, there's something uncanny about it. I heard her coming on the bridge and off of it, and I know the sound of her wooden ginta. But I'm not sure, sir, if she passed me. I think we better get out of here. And get out of here, we sure did. It was the small hours of the morning before we left, talking over the affair, and went to bed. The next day, I contacted Hanako's family and learned that she had died in Tokyo three months previously, being apparently delirious for a few hours before her death, and our parting promise evidently weighing on her mind as she kept repeating, dead or alive, shall I be there? To the other bewilderment of her family and friends, who had no clue what she meant by it. They, of course, were entirely unaware of our agreement. Thanks everyone for listening in on these two true ghost stories. I'm not sure about you, but I got goosebumps just reading these two. If you enjoyed the stories, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to Tetsuo Tells a Story. Again, you can find me on YouTube, podcast providers such as Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Do you have a story to tell? Let me know and I can read it to the world. Thank you. See you in the next episode.